0: so thank you for joining us today on today's Poetic Podcast. Thank you listeners for your support and for listening to our podcast. Today is Sunday, September 23rd. And this is a new podcast. This is the inauguration liftoff of Overcoming. It's a poetic, it's called Poetic Podcast. I am Chris, your host, Chris Florist Ledbetter on social media. I am Veronica Chris. And this is a new podcast that I wanted to create because I love to talk about overcoming positivity and about attracting new opportunities in your life, about health, about relationship guidance, etc. And today I'm super excited to um, have our first podcast, and our first um, podcast guest is my husband, Jared A. Ledbetter, the J. That's what I call him on Hello. social media. I call him the J. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's Jared A. Ledbetter on Facebook. <clears throat> on social, on uh, Instagram, it's Jared Ledbetter. He studied at Texas Tech University. He lived in Mexico.
1: Yes, Cuauhtla Morelos, Mexico. I can't even First. pronounce that. Cuauhtla
0: yes. Morelos. At an early point in his uh, produce career, he speaks a bit of Spanish. He's an amazing chef and landscaper. He loves football and golf. He's a golf golfer. Uh, Jared is a volunteer also at a local thespian group that he's. Um, they do. They put together theater and plays. Uh, he started his career in the produce business in the early nineteen nineties, and now he works at Majestic Produce, the Majestical, where he humbly. Uh, Advertises on his facebook that he's the assistant custodian yes yes <laughs>
1: there's a head custodian
0: the assistant. uh jared is an overcomer he's overcome major adversities in his life number one he's five years sober and number two he was diagnosed with cancer which uh was in 2014 uh that wound him or ended uh, he ended up at md anderson uh, where he completed an experimental treatment so he's going to tell us all about that And Jared's uh, top guy, his top priority, and number one priority is his family. Um, He had been there for his family in a positive way. Jared is a husband, a father, to a beautiful 14-year-old teenager, and a son of two wonderful parents, Jerry and Tony Ledbetter. He's an amazing friend and designated driver. And um, without further delay, I want to welcome my husband, Jared the J, I call him Heart, to my first poetic podcast. Well, thank you, thank you.
1: It's so nice to be here in this lovely studio that you concocted in their dining room. <laughs> Very cool.
0: So, um, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. It's really um, a dream of mine to to do this sort of thing, like this media stuff. So for you to be my first guest is really, really super cool. Well, I'm glad to help out. Yeah, super special. And um, to kick off the Poetic Podcast. And obviously I know him really, really well, but I wanted the whole world to know him um, and to introduce him to my friends that aren't here in Texas to um, see my life roll out. All the people that I've met along the way in my work, in my, you know, other lives my social lives and my church lives and all of that um so let's see i'm going to be asking you some questions throughout the podcast we're going to have some rapid fire questions later but at first we'll do a little more of the just want people to get to know you and um so first thing uh where are you from originally and just tell us a little bit about how like how long you've been there and that sort of thing
1: Uh, i'm originally from here in Mac allen born here and uh, graduated from MacAllen Memorial High School in 1990 and uh, went to Texas State University, or Southwest Texas State, well back then that's what it was called, now it's Texas State because they're all high and mighty. Uh, There for a year and then I transferred out uh, to be with some friends of mine at Texas Tech University, uh, home of the Red Raiders in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and that pretty much ended my, it was the end of my college career there. <laughs> it's way too far. There's no palm trees and they don't have tacos. <laughs> so it was not my cup of tea. But, you know, and I ended up getting a job in the produce business, which I'm still in now, 25 years later. And uh, that's that's why I ended up in college. So Got it. Yeah. And uh, lived there. F- Let's see. Then I moved to Mexico in the produce business. I lived down here for a while. Lived in Mexico for Close to a year, and uh, then just been lots of places since then. But uh, if you want to know all of them, I can just go into detail.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I know you were in theater in high school, Mm -hmm. and now you're like a volunteer thespian. So one thing you need to know about Jared is that I live with... uh, like, kind of like a cross between Robin Williams and a lot of other comedians. So, on a daily basis, he makes me laugh, like, almost morning, noon, and night. We laugh a lot. Yes. Morning, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm sure you've played some serious roles in your thespian years, but in high school, he, uh, he was in the theater group. No,
1: no, never serious.
0: And he put out plays. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about your acting bug in high school.
1: Uh, well... A uh, little bit. I mean, that's that's basically uh, that. And I did tennis for two years, and then golf my senior year. The rest of the year, I was four year in, in, in theater arts. Really liked the teacher. She was a really inspiring lady, Mrs. Luna Solis. Uh, and uh, it was great. I just enjoyed it, and you know, had a good time. And it's always just felt comfortable. I never get nervous in front of people, and I'm fine on the stage. And just enjoy making people laugh and kind of you know entertaining folks along the way. At the time, you know, you just fun. But I did uh, not really any acting in college, and uh, didn't do much of anything other than typical bullshitting people in real life, which was basically paid off. Okay, I guess you have to do that sometimes. But anyway, in a good way. Uh, so yeah, I you know, I, we do the we've got a theater group down here. It's, it's a private group and uh, very amateurish. But uh, we have a lot of fun, and it's you know it's fun to do, uh, but nothing nothing major. But uh, yeah, you know someday I've got a, I've got a, one of my best friends actually uh, in LA, and he's uh, he's a, he's an actor, and he's he's done quite well, and he's, we see him on TV every once in a while and stuff. And I, uh, you know, in the back of your mind, you think, oh, would not that be fun? But then you know you see the paparazzi and all that stuff. like, you know, I like going to ps by myself and not having anybody hassle me. And, except
0: for your audience. local fans except
1: for the local fans which your you friends. know are nice and i have to be nice to them because you know they're local and um, they're friends <laughs> so you kind of have to do that but uh, uh anyway but yeah we like to laugh around the house a lot and i uh cut up but same at work we uh we laugh a lot at work we uh we we don't play a lot of jokes on people but uh we do we just we laugh a lot and we just uh, that's how we get by that's how i've gotten by Bottom line on, on everything in life that's, that's come my way, that's, that's thrown a little speed bump, or something that's kind of like, you know, derailed my master plan, so to speak. Uh, it's just a little laugh and a uh, little humor and try to make the best of it because we're all in this together. So if you can laugh a little, you can get through almost anything, I think.
0: Yes. I feel like I skipped something. Did I skip did. something uh, about adversity?
1: Uh well we haven't gotten there yet. I don't know.
0: Did I skip this part?
1: Uh you haven't gotten any of that stuff yet. yet.
0: Okay. So yeah. let me go back to the intro a little bit for Jared 'cause uh I skipped a major part here. Yeah. Um you know, after I mentioned that Jared works at Majestic Produce, uh what I should tell you that this podcast and part of the reason I'm I I do have him as my first um podcast guest but yes because he's my husband but he also has an amazing story so Jared has overcome major adversity he is five years sober and he gives a huge credit to his faith and to AA to his AA group and he was diagnosed with cancer in November of 2014 which he's going to talk to us a little bit about Uh, the diagnosis led him to MD Anderson in Houston where he completed an experimental treatment and that's the part that I forgot. Excuse me. It's my first podcast for our listeners, so that it's important that um, that I mention that real quick. So,
1: well, like in life, we're all allowed to make mistakes. So yes. Don't sweat it, kid. Yes, You'll thank
0: fine. you. You'll fine anyway.
1: Well, uh, to start it all off with, you have to start back at uh, you know life and, and the beginning of my whole life and stuff like that that got me to the point where i'm at now and like i said uh you know everything does happen for a reason in this world and that's why uh i think i said that earlier maybe at another time but uh all the little things that come along in life and stuff like that 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 that, that happen all are part of god's design and a plan that we have no clue how it's going to work out we're just along for the ride And uh, some people, it scares the hell out of them. They don't like that. And and I'm kind of inadvertently a bit of a, not a control freak, but uh, I like organization. And I like things to be organized. And uh, I've always been that way. But I found that in, after my second divorce, so we'll just skip right into that deal here. (laughs) (laughs) After my second wife told me to get lost. And then she did. Well, yeah, she did. Anyway, that's fine. Uh, Tracy, if you're listening. Um, we're, we're good friends now, so it's okay. Um, I had a severe drinking problem. And at the time, uh, that in anybody's alcoholic career, uh, if you ask any alcoholic, uh, whether they're practicing or they're not anymore, but they're an alcoholic. Uh, at the time when they're drinking, they do not have a problem. No, I do not have a drinking problem as they stumble down the sidewalk. You know, they've got it under control. Well, I thought I had it under control too. Uh, Then I finally realized I did not and uh, ended up kind of uh, not really passing out but uh, just blacking out one night. Unfortunately, I was at home and uh, woke up in about six or seven days later in the hospital and didn't even know where I was. And uh, what had happened was my body just finally gave out on me. And it was uh, in November of 2012. Uh, my body just quit and uh, it wasn't uh, you know it, just, it happened I passed out went to bed I got in the hospital and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me finally one of the doctors figured out uh, this guy is hammered <laughs> and my dad's like what? he is drunker than a skunk And oh he doesn't drink that much well yeah he does I got into what they call delirium tremens the DTs And it's very severe and if it's not handled properly you can have a severe crash of having for a long period of time having so much alcohol in your system if you just cut it off it'll kill you and uh, it's scary most people don't notice that or realize that but it can happen and it happened to me Uh, and so I had a some kind of a moment and I don't know what it was but I I can remember being in the hospital and uh, I was in and out of consciousness and i remembered being tied down to a bed with uh you know like not shackles but you know some kind of a restraint thing big leather restraints and hollering out for my uncle for some reason oh i don't know gosh, why yeah. uh yeah what uncle was it it was uncle gene and who has who actually quit drinking a long time ago, uh, for health reasons, and he was sober. He was like the only guy in my life that I knew that was sober, that had been sober for a long time, that just drank beer all the time, and doctor said, you know, he was overweight, said you keep drinking, you're gonna die. And he was like, Okay. So he quit drinking. Uh so he was like the only person I ever knew in the group that still hung around with everybody, was not an introvert or anything like that. He shouldn't drink anymore. That's the way it was. So, for some reason or another, and I look back on it later on in life, you know, at the time, I was reaching out for him in this semi drunken state, state, subconscious state, reaching out for him, not for anybody else or friends or anything, for him. Uh, and then I, uh, I remember at one point um, that uh, things just got really bright. And I don't like it, it's just this huge light of something. And I remember this feeling that I had, that, that everything was fine. There was no words, there was nobody standing there with their hand out, Grandma over there, come on, it's going to be fine. Nothing. Wow. There was just this total peace, uh, and I wasn't freaked out. I, I In my head, all these memories that I'm, I'm going back and listening, or thinking about, was I was scared, I was mad, I was angry, I was hollering out for my uncle, get me out of here, you people don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, everything just got peaceful. And I was like, oh, this is nice. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm okay. And then, whoop, I don't remember anything else. And I wake up six days later, and I'm in the hospital, and I don't even know what day of the week it is. And so come so to find out... six
0: days from when you uh, were screaming out well, for your uncle? yeah,
1: or... something like that. I got put in the hospital on, like, I believe it was a Friday night, and I woke up on, like, Thursday the next week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was... That's... Well, they had, to, they had to give me all this... They had to like feed me alcohol and get me sobered up to a point to where and drugs, I don't know what they gave me. They gave me some gosh. Wow. Great That's stuff. Amazing. Whatever it worked. Yeah. Uh to get me to where, you know, I was sober again. So I woke up and I'm like, whoa. And um <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where I was. But the amazing thing about it was, um,
0: Looks like when like I got a Nemo. <laughs>
1: yeah. When I get home, uh, there's not this, okay, we need to have a little talk about your drinking. No, none of that shit. I was like, think I'm gonna drink anymore (laughs) I mean it was just like that there was no you know uh, I mean it was just that's it Uh, on that same day uh, a friend of mine and the pastor from the church at the time who was a practicing AA member and so was this other guy came to the house and said how you feeling all right yeah yeah I'm okay you know would you like to go to an AA meeting and I was like okay Never been to one? I mean, I, I used to just laugh at them. I'd say, I'm not a, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drunk. Alcoholics got to go to meetings. Yeah. You know? So I was a drunk back then. So I went, and uh, I went to one group, and I didn't really like it. It was a big, big room, a hall of people, and just a bunch of old drunks around drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. And I was like, you know, this is this is not for me. But I was fortunate enough that they were in another group. It was a smaller group. It was only about 15 or 20 people. Early in the morning, the way to start your day off, everybody was laughing, was in a good mood, was positive, and I got hooked. And I mean, I just, boom, right there, I was on. It. And I went solid every day, probably Monday through Friday, every day for almost a year that I didn't miss. And then slowly after, you know, I, at the time I wasn't working, so I didn't have a job, I had a bike, I didn't have any money, I didn't have a wife. I had uh, lost custody of my daughter, and I didn't have anything.
0: So you really hit rock bottom, kind of. I guess That or
1: the bottom hit me, one or the other. I'm
0: assuming that this was the rock bottom moment. Yeah,
1: that's the point, you know, where you don't... I had my parents, and that was it. Um, I really didn't have many friends left, because most of my friends, um, I had either pissed off, Ostracized in some way. Uh, some were not really sure if they wanted to hang out with me anymore because... The
0: alcoholism.
1: Yeah, I was kind of like labeled a little bit. And I just didn't get a lot of... I don't want to say support. I didn't get a lot of feedback. There was a few, few people and yeah. I'm still friends with, you know, obviously, that reached out to me, that helped me during that time. And I don't think that they really understood what was going on because I went from a dynamic uh you know outspoken outspoken uh guy who had it all he had the wife the kid the house and the job and all this stuff and oh man Ledbetter's fun let's go to his place it's great this and that to this hollow of a man that nobody recognized anymore wow that and i Fucking freaked everybody out at the Yeah, and, yeah, and, and people, I apologize yeah. for that. And, then and people tend like, to
0: stay away from. Yeah, the, I mean, they don't like, know what to say. I really or, think,
1: and you know, one 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 friend told me, he's like, "Man, we, we didn't know what to do. We were like, we were scared for you, scared of you. You know, we didn't, yeah. like, what what do you do? Yeah, so um, and that's okay, you know. And I I I don't I don't harden any bad you know judgment to people or stuff like that. It's weird. Uh, and it's 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 you know it's kind of like and you go through the divorce and people don't know his side her side you know it's tough too and that's that's another whole ball of wax right there. But um, anyway, back to not having anything. Um, that's uh, that's sobering in itself because um, you've got nothing to lose. And, and, and at the time, I had nothing but my sobriety. Yes. A dear man came up to me uh, who I'm still good friends with. And he took me under his wing. At the time, he was like 82. It's like 87, 88. Old bit. And little, little bitty guy from Canada comes up with this Gilligan's Island looking hat. And this guy has been sober when, you know, before Kennedy was shot. I'm serious. Like (laughs) 1957. Eisenhower was president. This guy quits drinking. (laughs) Blew me away. I'm like, you shitting me? I mean, you know, they didn't even have craft beer back then. That's how long this (laughs) was. (laughs) They <laughs> had two types, it Schlitz and like old style, and that was it.
0: And since he was Canadian. And he was like Canadian. Molson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. It was three
1: beers, and he drank all of them. Anyway, he'd tell me all these stories. And and the, the thing about it was that anybody, nobody in that group was afraid to talk about their past, about how big of a scallywag drunk that they were. And it was funny because I could throw in my little two cents, and they'd go, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> <So, but> anyway. <laughs> anyway, this gentleman takes me under his wing. Every day he would... Uh, He'd print up a little something, a little, a little quote or something, which I still have. He'd get it laminated. And he'd give me one every morning, you know, after the meeting. Hey, I got another report here. I'd, I'd take them home. I've saved them all. And I still have them. And uh, he just kept telling me, he just said, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And it's going to get better beyond your wildest dreams. That's amazing. And I'm thinking, you yeah. I said, okay. I don't have anything to lose at this point other than listening to this man and what they have to say in AA. Your guru. Right, a little guru. You know, he was like Yoda because he's mm-hmm. about the same size. Yeah, He Got had a couple of
0: gurus. Up. Someday he'll tell you about the other one.
1: Yeah, but anyway. Uh, and so at that point, you know, and, I, and I, I was doing odd jobs for people at the church. Um, and if I had $25 in my pocket, I was, I was doing pretty good. That's a good week, you know. Fortunately, I had mom and dad to fall back on for a place to live, food. Uh, but that was it. I mean, there was no dating for me. Who are you going to take out on a date? You've got a car that's got one seat in the front and no air conditioning.
0: One seat in well, the
1: front? Well, it had a hole in it, you know. Okay. I was embarrassed to drive up to the, <laughs> anywhere. I'd ride my bike to the meeting because so I was embarrassed to drive the car. But, you know, it's all right. Uh, it got me around. Um, and, uh... But, you know, there was no dating because I didn't have any money to take anybody out. And I... Was at the point where I was a little too proud to ask mom and dad, "Can I borrow fifty dollars to take some girl you know, somewhere?" You don't drink anymore, so you're not going to bars. You're not meeting anybody, uh, so your life becomes very, uh, you know, compact. there's there's isolated. You have your little AA group friends that you know you you see for thirty minutes, forty five minutes a day. Fortunately, I was able to become friends with some of them and did some work. Some one friend's an artist, and I got to help him do some art exhibits and stuff like that. It was good. Uh, had another friend uh she and I became acquainted and whatnot and uh hung out with her and her family and her kids and stuff and that was fun um and with bev and a lot of time at church mm-hmm. that was a safe place to go because you don't if you don't have a job i didn't want to sit around the house uh you know so i'd go to the church and that was a the quiet refuge so and all that time you know, and I can remember uh, one vividly at a moment that I, I still will never forget I' am sitting. I was pulling weeds one summer, it was the summer of 2013, and I've been sober for seven or eight months. It's like 105 degrees outside. I'm pulling weeds, and I'm getting like $8 an hour. And I'm sweating, and I'm listening to this little radio thing, you know, and the battery dies on the radio. And I'm like, man, that's all I had was my music. And then it hit me that something, this God or whatever, just said, chill out. It's not going to be like this forever. But right now, at this moment, this is exactly where I have you. And this is exactly where you need to be. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: That's amazing.
1: And so I was like, well, they're oh shit moment. Okay. So we go from there. And uh, then about, I guess, six or seven months later, I got a call from a guy that uh, was looking for a salesman. And I went back to work in the produce business, and uh ended up meeting uh, the guy that I work for now. I'd known him for a long time before he had known me in my drinking days we'd, we'd always been friends uh, and um, you know so uh, so it, and it led to he hired me and finally met got to meet me sober and uh, so he ended up hiring me after that so you know, so con-
0: congratulations on your sobriety. I think you're five years now right I'll be
1: six in November.
0: Oh gosh! So you have a birthday coming up?
1: Yes, five and a half.
0: Time flies
1: when you're having fun. Yes,
0: that's an amazing accomplishment, and thank you so much for telling us about your sobriety story. Because I think I really feel that that will help a lot of people that are going through their own journey, and um, just you know asking questions and that sort of thing. So if you have any questions about that, you can definitely reach out to jared on his social media i'm sure he'll be happy am i volunteering you he'll be happy to (laughs) dm you about tips and sobriety and stuff like that if you have Mm -hmm. any questions on facebook he's jared a ledbetter on instagram he is jared ledbetter so um transitioning about your um produce career Mm -hmm. real quick can you tell us about um Yes, mm-hmm. but first I want you to tell us a little bit Because some people, you? I, say you're in, you're, I tell them you're in produce sales So just take five minutes and I'll time you Tell us for our listeners, what does it mean Or explain a bit more about what you do as a produce sales person Or like a produce manager, uh, produce agency
1: Okay, basically uh, I work for a company <clears throat> We are a produce sales agency We've got uh, different growers that we work with here in the United States uh, in which we sell their entire crop. So we, uh, you know, we have cabbage crop down here and watermelon crop uh, and cabbage crop starts here in about a month or so. Uh, We sell the entire, the entire thing. So we're basically become, we wear the hat of a shipper. So we are the shipper. Uh, We sell it to retailers, consumers out there all over the country, Canada. Uh, on the domestic side. We do that here in the United States uh, or here in Texas and also in Oklahoma we sell watermelons from a different grower out of Oklahoma. On the other side we also import quite a bit of produce from Mexico. Hmm. That's a whole different ball of wax but it all intertwines and it goes to the same customers but the process of how that works is a little different. Basically we uh, we're just a, a supplier of fresh product. We do watermelons, cabbage, carrots Broccoli, avocados, limes, um, broccoli. I think I said that, uh, and
0: pumpkins. So there is your bunch. Yes. So
1: you'll see. Sometimes you'll see our labels in the store, and sometimes you won't. Normally during watermelon season, you'll see our labels, at AGB, and Walmart, and stuff like that. So
0: excellent description of what mm-hmm. he does, because I tell people that don't live in Texas or South Texas. South Texas is a huge. Uh, produce exchange type of business import export and domestic and so it's nice to have you know Jared's specific explanation of the business because he's been in the business for so long so he knows a lot about the produce business about produce about uh, different types and sizes and he's an expert at putting um, the numbers or the quantity inside the pallets and if you would, inside a container. I mean, all of this stuff he could figure out very quickly. So in 2014, Jared didn't feel well for a couple mm. of weeks and he didn't know what to do, so eventually he went to the doctors and discovered he had a serious cancer diagnosis. So tell us, Jared, a little bit of what happened.
1: Well, uh, can I tell the story about when I was in California?
0: Oh, yeah, if you'd like, you know, okay. we have plenty of time. There's for a to there's about a little bit of a, there, okay, there's a little bit of a
1: backstory <laughs> to this. Uh, um, this is uh, after I had gotten hired uh, back after you know I'm still sober now here uh, celebrating two years of sobriety, or almost two years. Um, I have an opportunity to go to this produce convention in California, Los Angeles, California, to be exact, <laughs> uh, in on around October the 18th of 2014. I'm out there by myself. Uh, and before I went, uh, there was this girl that I had seen her picture, I graduated from high school with, and I'd seen her picture on Facebook and she'd grown into this really pretty lady or girl, I'd say, you know, uh, and I'd seen her picture and she lived in California and, uh, I noticed that- And that, that
0: was
1: I, me. you ruined the punchline. <laughs> it was her. Anyway, sheesh. Anyway, so, um, and I, I, noticed that October the 18th was her birthday. I was like, wow, I'm going to be in California and I'm going to be by myself and I've got a little expense money finally and I'm actually making money now so I can you know take somebody out and I'm thinking maybe I should call her and I'm like well I don't know I mean she probably moved to California to get away from jerks like me from South Texas they don't want she don't have anything to do with me anymore so I'm hearing back and forth well, I don't know I don't know should I call her this and that and I run into my future employer who's out there and he's like hey Jared What are you doing tonight? I was like, I don't know. He goes, well, I got the Playboy's Bunnies book for the watermelon convention. Come hang out with me. I'm like, okay. So that was the end of that. (laughs) During that weekend, I hung out with him the entire time. I was feeling a little groggy. I mean, we're walking around the convention floor. We're going back and forth and I just didn't feel quite myself. And so I came home. Uh, That following week, I noticed I was getting these little uh, blotches in my leg and I didn't know what they were and I thought they were bed bugs they looked like little bites didn't know what it was either and my gums started bleeding when I brushed my teeth didn't know what that was either uh then I started feeling bad one Thursday I left the office early came home and uh slept it off woke up the next day and I was like you know it's Friday I think I'm just gonna milk this for all I can I'm not coming in today I'm gonna feel too good well I kind of was a good idea I didn't come back in uh that night I didn't feel good I woke up Saturday and really felt bad Saturday night got painful and then I didn't I felt like I couldn't breathe I felt like somebody was like laying on my chest you know when you have a dog pile and you're in high school or little kids and somebody's laying and you're like get off get off I can't breathe I can't breathe well it's just constantly like that I could not breathe finally Sunday morning I called my dad and I said I can't even drive anywhere I said I've got to go to a doctor I went to a doctor on Saturday a little cash doctor place because I didn't have any insurance or anything and uh told her about the gums bleeding and stuff. She says, well, I think you have a mouth infection. Okay. So she gave me this mouthwash and some Advil, some rickety deal thing, and some goat the chicken legs and boilies and, you know, two of that stuff. Anyway, it didn't work. So the next day I go to the doctor, another doctor with my dad, and the doctor says, I think you have pneumonia. Well, that explains some things. Okay, fine. So we go to the hospital, and uh, I'm put on a gurney inside the emergency room because I don't have enough beds in the place and so it's on a Sunday afternoon and some guy comes out and takes my uh, keep talking okay takes my blood and uh disappears off and he comes back about 15 minutes later and uh says uh, apparently I didn't do that right I mean, what do you mean you didn't do it right and he says well there, there's something wrong with your blood I need to do it again I said okay so he takes uh, another you know another blood sample and uh He's gone for about another 20 minutes, and he didn't come back, but uh, two guys in white coats come back. And I'm still laying in there amongst all these people in the middle of this, you know, triage area, whatever. And uh, the guy says, um, well, Mr. Ledbetter, we've looked at your blood, and uh, it looks like you've got a little something more serious than pneumonia. And uh, well, what is it? And he said, it's leukemia. We think it's leukemia. Uh, I didn't know what leukemia was at the time. I had heard the word leukemia and associated it with these people that used to drink beer and jog for this fun thing or whatever. I don't know what it was. And I was like, is that the deal? The the fight for leukemia team training and stuff? And he goes, it's blood cancer. Well, when you hear that, that puts a whole new perspective on things. Well, then I went, oh, shit. Uh, All right, Uh, Thank you. (laughs) You may go. (laughs) Go get my dad. So anyway, they go get my dad. He comes back out. And I I said, well, this is what they think. And he's a little bit like, what? I said, I don't know. That's what they're telling me. So he goes and tells my mom. And I'm, you know, they end up, finally I get a room. And so that night I'm kind of laying there going, this is like surreal. I don't understand this. And uh, they don't seem to be in a real big rush to try and fix me. They're just doing a lot of diagnosing things. And so that's Sunday night. And then so Monday, I'm laying there and, you know, people are visiting me, you know, how you feeling and stuff. And I said, well, I'm on morphine at this point. I'm feeling fine. So I don't feel fine. You don't know anything wrong with me. Uh, And so then they start these doctor's cards coming in and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Fortunately, I had a really good friend of mine uh, who was with me during this entire uh, ordeal. Uh, and uh, she had some, parents have some friends and here and there, and it's and like, take in mind, I didn't have any insurance at the time. So um, these two doctors are talking about what they're gonna do, and this and that, and this third doctor, this little Indian guy, comes around on the side and whispers in my ear, leans over on the bed and says, we cannot help you here, you need to go to Houston. Just like that, I swear to God. <laughs> yes. I'm like, thank you, Ali. So Which I'm, is
0: like a total angel. Total I angel. Think. This guy
1: comes out. Because technically they can't we do
0: something. Because they do not like fix
1: you. And these other two guys are telling me, <laughs> we can fix you. like, no, you're not. So I talk to my friend, and she goes, I'm going to call dad, and we're going to get you to Andy Anderson. So she leaves and goes and makes the phone call. And so then this another other lady. Another angel,
0: by the right, way. Right, another angel,
1: by the way. So this lady comes in and says, well, we're going to do this. And I said, you ain't doing nothing. I said, I think I'm going to get a second opinion, and I'm going to go to MD Anderson, oh, no,
0: and it's she not
1: politely laughed at me <laughs> and <laughs> so uh,
0: technical difficulty told
1: me, you know, there's no way you're going to get to MD Anderson without the insurance. I said, well, we'll just see about that. So anyway, she left. My friend comes back in, and she said, Dad's going to make a phone call see so what we can get done. Okay. So about two hours later. Nurse Cratchit comes back in, who laughed at me earlier. There'll be an ambulance here in about three hours to pick you up to take you to Houston. Thanks, Scooter. <laughs> so, sure enough, there's an ambulance that shows up, and a uh, cannonball run scenario. The whole thing, the driver's a big, heavy-set guy. Some good-looking guy is my medic. Some good-looking gal is in there with me. Um, you know, it's th- th- just a total deal. So, anyway, I get in this ambulance. They give me a couple of... Um, sleeping pills, and uh, my friend gets in the ambulance with me, and we hightailed it to Houston, got to Houston about 4 in the morning, and uh, straight into ICU at MD Anderson, and I mean, I'm hooked up like a car battery diagnostic, I mean, they got plugs and shit in me everywhere, taking care of me, you're good, we're gonna fix you up, and that was it, the, the entire time, and even throughout the the entire ordeal, I kept everybody was like oh my god this is the worst thing in the world i'm like no it's not it's not it's not that bad well it's <laughs> don't know leukemia. how
0: you remain so cold. well
1: it was called acute lymphoblastic leukemia acute. acute lymphoblastic all t-type uh and basically what that is is a it's a type it's a strain of leukemia that normally occurs in children a lot of kids get it, and when you see, you know, the kids on Oprah and the little kids that have leukemia, that, that a lot of commercials and stuff, they have ALL. A lot of them have ALL. Okay. It's, it's treated for child. It's very treatable as a child, but still, a lot of them don't make it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when you're 43, which I was at the time, shows up with this kid's disease, and they're like, we mm, we're going to have to come up with some different drugs for you. Because <laughs> we're used to treating kids, not yeah. adults. So, I'm like, well, okay, you guys are the best in the business here, so I know it's going to be fine. Uh, Well, I do have one piece of advice for anybody that gets diagnosed with anything. Don't go to Wikipedia and read about it, because it'll kill you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you think you're going to
1: die. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't go to... Wikipedia says, this is the worst thing you can ever have, and you'll be dead in 20 minutes before you're done reading this. And
0: what's that other one called? uh... Uh, Well,
1: there's a cute myelial... No, no, no. the leukemia. There's
0: another website that you shouldn't oh webmd
1: yeah Web MD. yeah they're, they're, basically, it says they says basically you way. know they're good for treating ankle sprains and you know high neck injuries but uh no anyway it's very scary so i'm reading all this stuff and you know it freaks me out a little bit uh but i'm reassured by the doctors you know no this is, this is doable and they're very very professional very positive people at andy anderson and i just got it instilled in my mind you know that this i'm like really i'm laying there and i'm going now, come on. We we we've done all this stuff. We've gotten so far. We we did this. We we got through the alcohol. We got a car now. I've got a car in my name. <laughs> like I have
0: a job. Now. I got
1: a job. I've got my own place my to live. My life
0: love. is
1: going up. I'm paying my bills on time for the first time in my life. Everything is going great. I don't have a, a mate yet, but that's all right. You know that'll that'll happen. I still you know haven't seen my daughter in a couple of years, but that'll happen. That that's going to be all right. You know. This can't be the end of it. I'm telling myself that. No, well, it wasn't. But I kept telling myself that, that there's there's got to be more to this story, and I embraced it. I said, "There's more," and I can't wait to see what it is, because this is not going to kill me. I just knew it. I just it, it's not going to do it. This is not. I'll get hit by a bus in the middle of the day. <laughs> Nobody go. What the hell like, was that all about? And go, I- you knew I- you in
0: your I knew in my
1: mind that this, in your this mind. was not, this, was not it. It, this ain't it. And as other times, you know, I've thought, well, no, that, this, was not, this was not it. And so I just maintained a very positive attitude through it. And uh, a lot of prayers and uh, good medicine. Those people at MD Anderson know what they're doing over there. And uh, was fortunate to come out, uh, you know, with shining colors and uh, had a, uh, a, a stem cell transplant, which uh, is not really experimental. I did do a lot of experimental drugs uh, that they were offering to me uh, at the time because uh, it worked out pretty cool because I didn't have any insurance for the first two months, so that's on m d. Anderson's tab, and what they were doing was saying, "Look, uh you know Eli Lilly, Merck, these big drug companies, mm-hmm. pharma, whatever you want to call them, big pharma, whatever you want to call them, says they'll knock." Uh, fifty thousand bucks off this stuff they already gave you, if you'll try this one. I'm like, well, shit, I don't care. Go ahead, (laughs) knock me up. So they did. At this
0: point, you don't have anything to lose. You know,
1: it works on rats; it'll probably work fine on me, Uh, which it did. Uh, And so that was that. That helped out a lot. And then I had the stem cell transplant in uh, on July 22nd of 2015, Uh, and was in the hospital for about two months. And, uh, then was, stayed in Houston for almost, uh, almost three, about two and a half months total time that I was away from here. But, uh, lots of trips back and forth, lots of chemo, seven rounds of chemo. Uh, and then, uh, after the stem cell was just medication and I finally was weaned off. The last medication I took was in March of 16 and I was down to taking a tiny little pill that, uh, was just one little last thing, and uh, they said, okay, you can stop taking that. And I don't know if it was mentally or if it was just something that that pill was doing to me, but literally the next day, I felt like a million dollars again. I was like, I finally feel like I'm normal. Like normal. That little pill was doing something to me. It was making me tired. I was finally like, whoa, wow. And so, free and clear, and have been since since then, very blessed. And uh, it um, was... Not something that, you know, I'd want to ever go through again. But in uh, in looking back it was um, there were more good things that happened that came to me that happened in my life out of that experience than I could ever imagine. I had more good things happen to me because I was diagnosed with cancer and I beat cancer.
0: That's amazing because yeah. that's that's what a lot of people say when they come yeah. through these Really horrific experiences and these frightening life episodes, uh, and they overcome somehow by a miracle, or whatever will, or whatever you want to call it, the universe, God, uh, faith—you know—all uh, of this stuff. But that's what a lot of people say.
1: It's just true. I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you've got to do your part, though. I mean, you know, people say you know, uh, prayer without uh, action is dead. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same with sobriety. I mean, you—you've got to. You can be sober, but if you don't actively live a sober lifestyle, you're just basically a guy that doesn't drink, and you're miserable all the time. You've got to embrace it, you know. And you, you've got to, if you're, and it's the same way, you know, if you're praying for something and you want it so bad, you've got to you've got to go out and do the wheels too. God's not going to do all the work. I mean, you're going to have to say, "This is what I want. This is what I need." And I'm going to do this to help. And God's going to go, "That's right. You're going to do your part, and just keep on going." God gives us the strength to do these things. Mm -hmm. He doesn't open the door, so to speak. He doesn't put the beer down, so to speak. He allows things to happen. He allows us, our minds, to open up and allows things to happen, allows doctors to do a better job, allows medicine to work better, allows that guy, lab technician, somewhere out, somewhere that said, oh, if we do this and this, it's going to work better for this drug. And it goes down the line. That's how it all works together.
0: That's amazing. That is an incredible story, and Jared. When you told me your story, my heart dropped. And then
1: she married me. My
0: heart. <laughs> my heart went Not out. Not right to after, me. but. Anyway. <laughs> my heart went out to you, and it's really an incredible story. Um, so thank you for sharing us, sharing with us your story well, on the I was Poetic glad Podcast to and to with all our friends and the Poetic Community. Um, if you have any questions about cancer and about this type of cancer specifically, you can contact Jared on Facebook. He's Jared A. Ledbetter, and on Instagram, he's Jared Ledbetter, and he would be happy to hear from you on DM. So now we're going to change the theme around a little bit we're gonna make it Ooh. a little lighter here oh, okay? okay So here dun, 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 or should we put some like disco music on right now because
1: we're
0: gonna do a little celebrating with a can do, lightning round yes you can do it please do oh, your very no. wide impression later <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, folks, but that was his very white impression. Oh,
1: baby, baby, baby,
0: <laughs> which I absolutely can't stand because when he says, when mom, he starts talking mom, like that,
1: Mama don't like it when Barry yeah, comes no. to the house. She gets all upset and grabs me.
0: Oh my! No! 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 Stop!
1: Yeah! 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 Okay.
0: So this is time for our lightning round rapid fire time for a quick fire question. So you can, you only have a few seconds and I'm timing you somehow. Here, I'm timing you there. Okay,
1: this is my wife's yes. dream because she's always wanted to be like Steve Harvey.
0: <laughs> so we're just gonna ask you about 10 questions and you got it. We're gonna do it quickly and you have to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Okay, are you ready? Uh, Drama. go, are you ready?
1: Yes, hit okay. it.
0: What is your recipe for happiness? Laughter. Stranded on an island, do you prefer to be alone or with people? Uh, by myself. Are you naked or clothed? No, I'm naked. <laughs>
1: but I'm not right. afraid. <laughs> I
0: thought you were gonna say clothed. That's so funny. Okay.
1: Well, I choose. I gotta have shoes. You gotta have shoes.
0: Okay, you gotta have yeah. shoes.
1: That way, when somebody finds me, they go, "Wow, he survived all that time by himself, naked." Yep.
0: That's hilarious. Okay, yeah. if a movie was made of your or of you. Hmm. Uh. What genre would it be?
1: A movie was made of me?
0: Yeah, like say if somebody came up to you and said, I am going to make a movie out of your life, what genre would it be?
1: Uh, I guess just normal. Normal? That, uh, What's or, normal genre? What oh, do you mean, like, what am I supposed to say, Genres, Western or something? Genre, like come that? on, you know movies, Like comedy, a Western? Yeah, you
0: know, Western. It wouldn't be horror. a Western. It would be a Drama, comedy, uh, I, thriller. It wouldn't be Spence. a rom com.
1: It would probably be a dramatic comedy.
0: <laughs> a dramedy. That's a real thing. Is that by a the way. word? That's a word. Well,
1: oh, you've made it up. It is now.
0: And who would say you?
1: No, sheesh. Uh, Five, four, three, two.
0: One. We got some more questions.
1: Harrison Ford.
0: All right. Wow. Okay. I I thought you were going to throw out something like Brad Pitt, but I was told. No,
1: do like (laughs) Han Solo a long time ago. Indiana Jones. She'd be a good one. Okay.
0: And what is the most interesting thing you have in your closet?
1: Uh, My pink uh, Stacey Adams uh, lizard skin shoes.
0: (laughs) What, okay, what sitcom family would you be a member of?
1: Sitcom, family, would I be a member of? Uh, Five, four,
0: three, two. Come on. Sanford and Sons. I mean.
1: That'd be a good one. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, Beverly
0: Hillbillies. I don't know.
1: I'm trying to. Uh, uh, I, I'm okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh I'm going to television.
0: Okay, you're running for political campaign office what would your slogan be?
1: Um, we've got balls. <laughs> you should, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting something funny like that. Yeah. Okay. That's what, my nickname is balls. That's why. <laughs> what is one food you would never give up? Uh, tacos. <laughs> I knew it was going to have something to do yeah. with Mexican food. Yes, yeah, Mexican okay, food. Okay, last song you downloaded.
1: It's uh, It's called... Um, skyscraper by Kenobi.
0: Okay. I'd never heard of it.
1: Yeah, it's a good song.
0: <laughs> totally different taste, by the way. Okay. you like it. Fill in the blanks. Taylor Swift is... Annoying. <laughs> I did not know what you were going to say to that. Okay. First celebrity crush. I think I know this answer.
1: Uh, Princess Leia.
0: Oh, my gosh. I thought you were going to say Cameron Diaz. Okay.
1: Cameron Diaz. Good Lord. She's... Yeah. You uh, a baby crush, Princess Leia, man, when she came out in that bra and Return of the Jedi.
0: Okay. In Thailand, back. A little oh, bit. I want to
1: be a job of the hut on that deal. Anyway.
0: Okay. Say one word in Spanish or two.
1: Sorry, Team Smith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it, folks. He he knows how to say I am.
1: Oh, Que es más español de mí? No problema. El problema de la dama aquí es el no habla español nada. <laughs> Necesita, yo de todo el tiempo le hables con el esposo, yo, <laughs> señor Gerardo Liebeter, de los McAllen, Texas. Los personas en todas partes buscan para mí.
0: Everybody's looking for him.
1: <laughs> es correcto. Cállate la boca ahorita. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> I am trying to talk to these pretty people.
0: Now he just turned into Eugenio Derbez.
1: I guess I don't know.
0: Yes so I, actually
1: I know a lot of Spanish. I have to speak a lot of Spanish because we import a lot of stuff from Mexico so consequently I'm well versed in Spanish in that department. I'm not very good in politics or medicine or stuff like that but I can carry a conversation on with the best of them
0: Yes so thank you so much Jared Ledbetter, my What else
1: can I do for you
0: So I think we're good today. This wow. is it for the first inaugural. Like a uh, first maiden voyage of poetic podcasts. The
1: poetic podcast has sailed and is it. It is off. Full steam ahead. Yes. All right, great. Full steam so, when's the next one? When do I come back?
0: <laughs> well, you're probably going to come back. I, I hope so. I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm, zen, like I say, zenning. I'm zenning this all together. Mm-hmm. So, I'm thinking we're going to have a segment initially until you quit. My segment with you. Oh. So, <laughs> we're going to create a segment for Jared, or he's going to help me co produce something like that.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, I so, want to be like, you know, Buddy Hackett on The Tonight Show. When I can't <laughs> find anybody. We'll just call Buddy Hackett. He'll do it again. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. What do you want to talk about now? Drunks, cancer? I'm good. Yep, yep. No, we have all <laughs> other things to talk about.
0: Oh my gosh, so much. So yeah, much. You should get about.
1: me onto some other, like, hot topics and stuff. I have a lot to offer Definitely. On.
0: You're yeah. definitely going to come on. This is what I was thinking. You're definitely going to be invited on the podcast for our relationship guidance because I do believe you could help a lot of my single girlfriends and maybe guy friends uh, navigate the waters of singleness since we yes. were both single for almost the same amount of time mm-hmm. after uh, a marriage, you know, collapse or whatever you want to it's call it. It's pretty
1: easy in a nutshell, just get over yourself.
0: So. <laughs> But there's a lot more stuff yeah, going can, on out there. And times have changed. So I think time. you're definitely going to be part yeah. of a relationship. Back when I was segment.
1: single, back when uh, the. Who was president then? Good Lord. <laughs> so, Never
0: mind. by the way, listeners, uh, my lovely, dear listeners, please um, email or DM me your relationship questions so that we can focus on that. And we're going to have a segment with Jared. <laughs> Uh, and myself talking about relationships and relationship guidance. In today's world, it is very different than it has been in the past. And it depends on about your approximate age, how you deal with it. So we're going to give you the traditional point of view because um, that's where we come from and take it or leave it. So we're hoping that we give you really solid you know, whole relationship advice. And um, like I said, take it or leave it. And um, I am Veronica Chris on social media, so you can DM me. I do have a small business that I'm going to prop. It's called Personally Poetic. It's a jewelry business. Waxing Poetic is our company brand. It's a beautiful jewelry line that has really positive, uplifting type jewelry. It's really beautiful. It has positive messages. On the back of some of these pieces, for example, the piece I'm wearing right now, on the back, it's got three star clusters. And on the back, it says, Light the World. So if you're into stuff like that, please go to my website. It's www.personallypoetic.com forward slash Chris, C-H-R-I-S. Please come back to visit us at our Poetic Podcast on the Anchor app. Uh, next time and until next time I do wish you lots of love and light and wealth and prosperity and health and good vibes so thank you again to Jared you're welcome and we will see you next time thank you so much bye bye lots of love and light and peace out
1: peace and chicken grease everybody